that one. I put the new fogies on the G. I tap into the bloody bottoms is underneath. Cause all my niggas got it out in the streets. I keep a hundred racks inside my jeans. I remember hitting them all with a whole team. All right, we're back once again, folks, live in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, what's up? Welcome to Coronavirus episode three of How You Live in, a.k.a. episode 91. Uh, 92? Maybe 92. It's 92? I think so. I think it's 92. Oh, Lord. I think I think this happens all the time though. We we constantly forget we what episode we're on. We finally did it, y'all. We finally did not remember what episode we're recording. Exactly. <laughs> it's ninety two. Uh so you know, break out your, your hip hop and uh and and watch an episode of uh uh Fresh Prince of Bel Air, because it is nineteen ninety two, episode ninety two. Uh once again, Recording in two separate locations. I'm here in the Just Paid Rent Studio compound. Just put Chaz on top the Chaz Tower in the Million Dollar Studios. Million dollars. I even cleaned this motherfucker. Yeah. I bought I bought mine on layaway at Ross. He bought his for a million dollars. That's what we're recording with, folks. I I mean I would buy stuff at layaway on Ross. Like Ross is my <laughs> shit. Like real talk. Right. It ain't, yeah, dress for less, but they don't say anything about the cutting boards you can get there for seven dollars. So. Right? No raw like dead ass. Yeah. Before we get even in the show, like if you like after all this, if you need to move, and you ain't got a, you ain't got it like that, like go to Ross. You can get like a full pan set for like forty dollars. That's what I did <laughs> when I first moved out. Like so, yo. I don't even know where I buy pans if Ross is closed. <laughs> All right. Uh, this show is, of course, How You Live In, the show that starts with me starting with a little question for my friend and co-host of the show, Chaz. How you living? You know what? I've been doing all right, all things considered. I realize, like, I've been trying to keep a journal, but I haven't journaled in it in, like, a month, and I journaled in it today, and I was just reflecting on how this month has been overall, and that, like, really, it's a, a really interesting thing that... You know, living through this, I've been trying to document that just like so I know how I feel through coronavirus and just stay like isolated from my friends doing all sorts of like Zoom type meetings and all that. But like all things considered, I can't complain. Like I I just got off of a call with some friends where we did a Netflix party for this new reality show called Too Hot to Handle. And basically, oh, I, I just that. wanted to get drunk and throw shade with my friends at like what? the shallowness like, like, of it. it. It seemed like a like a the the fantasy island of the '90s or whatever the one or the par- what was it called the the one where they were on an island dating. Fantasy Island's not it. Yeah, but- it's like Paradise Island or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it was like it was really seedy kind of because they're like. Some of them are couples. Some of them are singles. Let's just see what happens. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you on 100%. Yeah, that's what it's kind of like. But in this one, they can't have sex. So we've been doing prop bets, too, to see, like, who's going to do what, like, who's going to be the person that fucks up the leads, how much money are they going to win in the end. So it's very interesting, like... Just like, you know, doing that with friends from all over the country at different times and trying to coordinate it all and just being silly, like, it's fun. That's uh, that's an interesting corona experience, you know. Zoom parties, man. It's the new thing. It is. Uh, and, yeah, hope everyone's out there staying safe and healthy, uh, keeping a safe distance from those you don't know who aren't in your direct contact already. And, of course, uh, 
you know, hopefully we've uh, we've we've flattened the curve and uh, and we can start to to get some normalization of our life uh, coming up here. Hopefully, um, as always, this show uh, has a, a little nostalgia feel in the beginning. We like to look back on the episodes and topics that we've talked about before in a little segment we call callbacks. Callbacks. Yeah. Yeah, you know. I know. Episode 92-ish. Right. Like, I know. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm like one whole Cook's bottle in and like a small bottle Cook's bottle in. So, you know, you're going to have to bear with me right now. <laughs> All right. Bear, I'm sorry. bear with this, listeners. Uh, don't skip ahead. It's going <laughs> to stay this way the whole episode. <laughs> Just listen. But uh, what are some callbacks? What are some things that have, uh, have have hit your mind from topics we've talked about? Obviously, a lot of the topics we've talked about are still very much in the news. So uh, what's on your mind today, Chaz? I think a lot of the things I'm probably going to get into into the main episode, but I just wanted to touch on that uh, Boris Johnson, um, I believe the last time we spoke, was uh, going into intensive care uh, with complications from coronavirus, but he has since gotten out. Okay, so back, back in charge of uh, London, England, UK. Yeah, so anybody who thought that he might succumb to the virus or, you know, it might be a lot more worrisome right now, he seems okay. Things can change in the future. We don't know everything about this virus and how it affects people and, you know, what it's going to do in the long term. But I think it is good to see somebody, because I think we see a lot from... Uh, you know, MSNBC, uh, CNN, Fox News, and a lot of the 24-hour news networks, a lot of just, like, numbers, people dying, and, you know, just, like, flash stories about, like, what the impact is on the virus on certain infrastructure things. Right. But, you know, this is affecting people all over the world, and this is affecting governments all over the world. So I think it's good just to, like, stay abreast of everything that's going on, not just in our country, but in other countries. And just seeing that, like, you know, we're all not handling it that well. We all could have handled it better. And but it, it is uh, even though we might have some, you know, crass and uneasy thoughts about Boris Johnson as he is as a political leader, that we can see that, you know, someone like him can actually survive something like this. So we have to take, you know, it's a level of mortality into this perspective perspective that we need to like still too many people are dying from it but also at the same time like there are going to be a lot of folks that live and we're all going to have to be here when we rebuild so we need to see what that's going to be like yeah yeah I, exactly and uh so that's i mean good on uh boris surviving uh it's uh gonna be an interesting kind of storyline as far as how different countries approach the uh the reopening of their economies um, obviously, you know, we did shut down the Olympics coming up this summer, so we're not going to yeah. have to worry about that, but there are other international competitions that take place. You know, soccer has international leagues, um, you know, the U S kind of world cup of events with like track and field and those type things, uh, will probably take place eventually. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to want everyone to be kind of on similar pages as far as the, the amount of protections that are in place, um, when we come out. Um, I guess I've heard recently there's upwards of 70, um, what is it, antibody-based tests that are out there now. Uh, only one by a company called Celex has been approved by the FDA at this point. And so that's the one that's kind of out there. It's like nearly impossible to get. But uh -huh. there are another uh, 69, <laughs> nice, 
uh, versions of antibody tests that are um, that are actually available that are, could come to market and are they're just not FDA approved, so they actually are acquirable. You can get them, um, maybe not on a on like a personal level, but I think private institutions can order them, uh, like hospitals and things, if they choose to. So we are probably going to see more widespread testing on the side of the antibody test, just to kind of get a better indicator of of, of who all really had this. Because that's going to be the real number that that comes up is because they're thinking now it could be 60 or 70 percent of people experience little to no symptoms. Yeah. And and so we would want to know that when we go to open uh, the the economy again is people that are at risk to to catch it from others who are non-symptomatic. So we need to we need to get easier testing. Um, And for the for the next kind of little bit of our lives, it's testing for corona could be kind of a standard thing oh Um, yeah for sure and i hope that happens yeah very much so and i and i think that is where we're going because obviously the cost of a test far cheaper than the cost of putting someone in a hospital for a long-term stay with you know uh different type of life-saving machines and and people and staff on file for them to to be able to to keep them alive. So obviously, you know, these tests, which some of them run into the hundreds of dollars, still uh, a huge savings in the long run. So um, just from a cost standpoint, not alone, let alone a life saving standpoint, it, it would be a good thing. So, yeah. So the Corona world, definitely part of our callback. We'll, we'll touch more on that in the, uh, in the, in the main app. Is there anything non Corona related that you have in the callbacks that you've seen come up in the news recently or, um, I know also we'll probably talk about politics. Uh, you know, I think what had, had, uh, Bernie officially resigned before our last step. Was that? Maybe? No, he had not. He like, I mean, I was hopeful that he could use this, you know, to like, actually like funny enough, like, I guess we can touch on that a little bit. Cause I wasn't going to, I was going to touch on Bernie Sanders more as a rant to like my very ambivalent or very emotionally frustrated uh, Bernie supporters who are thinking about not participating in this election cycle or even worse voting for Trump or even worse voting third party. Um, so I was kind of going to rant on that a little bit, but I guess I can rant on that now. Cause it doesn't really matter where I put this rant. It's just that like, I want to talk to y'all and like, I know if you're like me, you're very disappointed that Bernie has said he is suspending his, um, his, uh, candidacy. But I also think that like right now in the midst of the crisis that we're in, and the individuals that we have leading our federal government that we in that even though I'm very upset at what looks like uh, the Democratic establishment and moderates coalescing on one uh, candidate that might not be to your liking, I do feel like Bernie doing this at this point in time is actually the most pragmatic thing he can do and the best thing he can do for the country. So while I'm disappointed, I understand that. And I want to take the mature look of it and saying thank you for everything that you've done and thank you for it. But I also want to put it out there that people who still want to vote for Bernie, like his name is going to be on every single ticket that's going to come through for these primary votes. And if you want him to have more power at the convention, whether the convention happens in person or remotely, uh, when you get a chance to vote in those primaries, please vote for him because the more votes he gets, the more power we have. 
And we are learning that even though Bernie is one person, that when it comes to progressivism, we need to be a movement. And we need to be able to push the ideas that we have out there to the point, because we know and we understand that if they were implemented, people would breathe easier a little bit. Like, we know that other countries, when it comes to their universal healthcare programs, are also having trouble too, because, you know, no healthcare program is equipped for this amount of people to come through and affect right. them being in their beds, being on their ventilators. We don't have that many doctors. We don't have that many nurses. We don't have that many nurses practitioners. So, like, when it comes to, like, Medicare for all and things like that. I want to I want people to focus on like the economic impact that is having on people and that's why we should have it in place, but I don't want it people to look at it as its effectiveness because I do feel like people are using that as a misnomer for why people want um affordable health care and one of the things about affordable health affordable health care is you know it's affordability so we do got to look at that through all this but i do think that like bernie was here to help us come together and coalesce around ideas that we or feel are better for humanity and that that we can use the engine of our economy to implement at great effect and i think we could, should keep striving for that so yeah. so well, like, oh yeah go for it, it. And he definitely, I mean, like you had mentioned, he, he, he's going to push whoever the candidate is further left. Um, Biden is going to have to appease some of those voters to bring them into his roles in order to, to defeat Trump. So we're probably going to see a much more left version of Biden going forward, especially running into the convention to try to appease some of those voters. And so that is a testament to the work that Bernie and his supporters did. As far as you know, bringing up the subjects and the and the progressive uh, platform that they did in order to to make that type of impact. I mean, pretty much all of the Sunday news programs are mentioning that as a topic of just certainty that Biden ultimately can't play the moderate card all the way to the polls. He has to eventually uh, bring in some of those uh, left progressive tactics of. You know, the healthcare movement be more pragmatic about that, as well as like, you know, student loan reforms and uh, all the kind of things that Bernie touched on uh, are going to affect the, the Democratic ticket going forward. So that's a that's a big win. And um, and more so, yeah, if if the seats and the in the primary increase for Bernie, um, those voices will will need to be shared and heard. So. Yeah. So, yeah, you know what? Yeah, so that's my message to, you know, Bernie supporters who are feeling upset about that. And I also do need to comment that, you know, uh, Joe Biden has had some uh, sexual assault um, and rape allegations against him. And I know that is going to make people not want to vote for him. And I don't think there's any sort of like degree of pragmatism that I think I need to add to that to people who see that and don't want to vote for him for it. I understand that. And I understand that in America and just in the world in general, that those type of things aren't taken seriously enough. So if that's what we need to do in order to make sure those things are taken seriously enough, I completely understand. So, 
like, I mean, as much as, like, my privileged ass wants to be pragmatic, I understand, like, the impact of that is going to affect people differently. So, but ultimately, I hope that we can get enough voters together to vote for Joe Biden, because I think one of the things that the coronavirus uh, is showing us that, like, an ineffective Fed, uh, like, Fed is a problem. Like, right. it, it is a real big problem that I never really thought about until someone like 45 was in office. And and I would hope that, like, you know, outside of the grandstanding of, you know, Supreme Court justices, even though I feel like that is a worthy argument to make about why we should vote for Joe Biden, I think ultimately, just like, you know, um, I heard an analogy when I was listening to Left, Right, and Center um, about a week ago about how, like, a Jenga board, he's just been poking at holes in it and if you poke enough holes in the Jenga board, it's going to fall over. And that's what Trump has been doing for our federal government over the past three years. And we've touched on it here and there, but we've never really been able to see the impact of it. And I think we're starting to see the impact of it now. And if that's not enough for us to think that, like, at least in that aspect, we we should want the federal government to work for the people in a way where it can help us through crisis, right? Like... Like, if we remember back to when Kanye said, like, Bush don't care about black people, right? Yeah. Like, if we can get, <laughs> like... next to Mike Myers during a live uh, kind of telethon campaign commercial for 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 aid. Right, for yeah, for, for Katrina, <laughs> right? And, and this, and this uh, disaster is much more of a slow burn. It takes a lot more nuance to <clears> compete <throat> with, but we know Trump doesn't have the acuity wherewithal or even want to want to deal with it in an effective way because all he sees is the economy going down his constituency think he's a good president because the economy stayed the way it was even though he didn't do anything specifically to affect it that was all just residual from obama and now that we're seeing it being impacted so heavily because we want to do these stay-at-home orders in order to save fucking lives like he's going to do everything he wants in order to reinstate it with this irresponsible and irredeemable when you really think of it. But this is going into the things I want to talk about in the episode, so I'm going to stop. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, that's callbacks, folks. Uh, <laughs> we are officially in episode 92. We're here in uh, the eve of 420, April 19th. Uh, as you've seen in your daily lives, uh, things have started to kind of ease up. Uh, the number of hospital beds in almost all major metropolitan areas used for corona victims has started to go down. Uh, the number of deaths has started to come down, although a few places have had a peak deaths uh, in the last couple of weeks. It was just the timing of the curve itself kind of landed in this in this period. Um, thankful for us here in Seattle, uh, we started to stem the tide, uh, about two weeks ago, earlier in the month mm -hmm. and have had a pretty good track record since of, um, of a lower impact to the point where we actually started, uh, sending, uh, certain stashes of ventilators to New York and other places that were, uh, more desperately affected. And, uh, so shout out to the, uh, Seattle and Washingtonians out there who helped, uh, level the curve and and hopefully that that stays the course and stays the case and that we are able to open this economy up in the next uh coming weeks or whatnot so 
what do you have uh, on the Corona news front? Chat. Well, I did kind of want to combine the America is a mindfuck and this week in, week in f- fake news because uh, Trump and the whole coronavirus crisis has kind of been coalescing together. So there is like Trump's uh, plan to reopen the government or like reopen the economy and everything like that because he knows that it, he, or at least I presume that that he thinks that's his best bet of getting voted in for reelection. But right. to be honest, right, like, uh, like I'm frustrated because I get that. Like, it's frustrating because the practical on the feet thing about all of this is that, like, our economy is how we pay for everything in our society. Like, people work so they can live. That's just the way things are set up right now. So if you have right now, I think the number is 22 million people who have filed for unemployment. And from that number, we don't get the nuance of furloughed employees versus those employees that were fired. Uh, So we won't get the gist of, like, who might be able to go back to work once everything becomes quote-unquote normal, which I think is longer away than people really want it to be, but really has to be based on just, like, how viruses work, based on how COVID-19's incubation period works, and... Just what we need to do. But I do feel like Trump's um, reopening plan is broad enough for you not to really poke holes into it. But also broad enough that it doesn't, it won't be as effective as I think people hope it will be. And right. and I think it's more like Trump wants to make a federal response because Trump and the economy is something that he really cares about. But it's not really something that we we can take action on. But ultimately, it's up to us, the people, the workers, to say we're going to go back to work and we're going to put ourselves in harm's way. And one of the key things that I think before I go over what the, uh, the three-phase process is going to be, I really feel like it boils down to do we feel safe? Like right now, I have left my house for a walk. And I have left my house to go a block and a half away to a local bar that's been doing a pop-up in order to support them because I go play trivia there every Thursday. And Mikkel plays trivia there with us quite a bit as well, too. And even that, to me, feels dangerous. Like, I want to support people. I want to give my money as best as possible. But I've been doing deliveries where I can and things like that. And I feel as though that, like, I, I really want to say something about impatience, but I really can't say anything about impatience because right now there are people who aren't making money. There are people where unemployment isn't going to be enough for them. There are things where they're fucking up on our stimulus payment where it's not getting to certain people. It's not getting to them fast enough. Uh, and we're still in negotiations of people getting uh, uh, monthly payments between you know both sides of Congress. So right now, like, there's a whole lot of things weighing down on people that they need to survive based on the ways that things work in our society. But there's also what is the most effective approach to make sure that we minimize the deaths of people in our country. And those two things are actively working against each other. And then on top of that, there's the politicization of it all, which is fucking everything up. So it's really annoying. Right. Right. Yeah. And obviously, uh, some checks did get delivered out this week. Some people did receive some of the uh, stimulus money, the original stimulus amount of uh, 
$1,200 for individual adults over 18, 500 for any dependent children. Um, and, but not everyone received it. There definitely has been some, uh, issue with some of those getting received. And then also there was a possible delay. They haven't actually estimated whether or not it will lead to a delay, but Trump did personally request that his name be printed on all paper checks that were sent out for this, which yeah. is a very small percentage of them. That's actually paper checks versus, um, direct deposit, uh, direct deposit, but still it, odd request at a time of crisis and you slow down my constituents getting money because i want to make sure they know who's giving them the check felt a little weird um to be perfectly honest so uh, yeah so i'm on whitehouse.gov right now and whitehouse.gov has all the phases in it at at the top of the page of opening up america again there's criteria Right. And then there's phase one, phase two, phase three. Right. So the symptoms is basically downward trajectory of influenza like illnesses imported, reported in a 14 day period and downward trajectory of COVID like uh, systemic cases reported in a 14 period uh, day period. Uh, let me see. This is like when he want to start it. It seems downward trajectory of documented cases in a fourteen day period, and downward or downward trajectory of positive cases as a percent of total tests in a fourteen day period. Flat or increasing volume of test. Wow, that's fucked up. I'm sorry. Like flat. Sorry, I didn't even realize this. Like until I read it, that like if it's flat or increasing, like basically if there's no increase of tests. Basically, the federal government is saying, like, no, you're still good to open up if there's a downward trajectory of positive test. Like, this is, I'm sorry, I, I need to rant on just it, this a little bit because that's fucked, right? Yeah, it's definitely triggered towards uh, reopening, perhaps against um, kind of a clinical diagnosis of that 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 is safe or scientific. You know, um, it's clearly in order to to stem any tide of the economy continuing to drop uh and that's scary yeah but no go ahead <laughs> no 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 you are 100 percent correct on that and the only thing i really need to add to that is when we look at the most recent uh pandemic that we had which is the spanish flu and we look at places like my hometown philadelphia which was like yo cases are going down we're going to open up everything back up we good the shit spikes up again and this is what's going to happen and for me, I feel like right now we have like three different arenas in America of how people are handling it. We have the blue states are just basically going to be like, no, we agree with the CDC. We're going to go with our experts. We're going to keep it shut down until we're OK. And then we right. have the purple states, which really what I mean is a state run like a run by a Democratic governor that usually votes pretty Republican. And I feel like that's where, like, some shots might actually be fired, like literal gunshots actually <laughs> might be fired because I feel like that that's when Trump said his whole liberation shit um, right. for Minnesota and, and Michigan and all that. Like, that's where I feel like is really dangerous to say rhetoric like that, where, like, this is a marathon and this is a battle of patience, right? But as I mentioned before, it's the whole economy thing that's going to remove people's ability to be patient. Like, you can't be patient if you're hungry, like, right. and that's where the government should be actively trying to give more people money and all that. 
and, or at least that's where I think. But, you know, there there's egos, there's personal principles and everything like that that works against that. Uh, but overall, I do think that because of just the straight up incubation period of this virus, and even though like now that I've listened to uh, more episodes with like doctors and scientific experts saying that like the majority of cases show up between two to five days after exposure, but there has been a history of people showing symptoms uh, 12 to 14 days after exposure that something like this that you can really only take coronavirus efforts every 14 days or so like right like even with yourself like if you go outside go shopping and expose yourself then you really should just isolate for 14 days that make sure that you aren't showing symptoms if you're asymptomatic that you're not shedding virus because shedding virus will still put a quote-unquote dead version of the virus out there but viruses need people in order to work so if it goes into someone else then it starts up again and that's what keeps up with the pandemic and that's why we're socially distancing everybody but yeah yeah Yeah. so so it's frustrating but i totally get where everyone's coming from and and ultimately what i feel like is i want the government to be effective and by that, I want Congress to be effective because I feel like if Congress and more more so if Republican Congress is effective about this, like give the people give the people the money they need to survive and let's ride this out until we get enough treatments for it. And ultimately, until we get a vaccine for it, then we'll be better off. But I know that we need to do something about, you know, just the circle jerk of money that goes around that just isn't happening right now because there's many aspects of our economy where people just can't participate in. So, you know. Right, right. And that's, and that's you know, obviously is a goal of, of everybody is to eventually get the economy rolling again. I mean, we want people employed. We want people to be able to pay their rent and, um, you know, even the most, uh, you know, liberal governor is pragmatic enough to know that eventually we need to get these economies rolling. Um, you know, and I, I, I've seen different articles come out on some of those sites that don't really um, do much vetting of their articles, like Medium and, and, and those type places where people share them on uh, social media being like specifically talking about Oregon, for instance, because Oregon ended up being well under the predicted number of cases and everything but they they talk about how this governor shut their economy down and didn't need to and all these other things but it it really is unfortunate because first of all the the particular article that i read wasn't using facts it was just kind of using anecdotal evidence of of what they called the the natural curve of viruses and then also the idea that that the the governor of any state is going to put their economy at risk if it's if it's, you know, just like a political right. decision. No, they're not. Like, that's, they need that economy running not only to keep their job, but to keep the jobs of the constituents and also to keep the, the functioning value of the programs and everything they support, especially when it's a liberal governor who probably supports all kinds of social programs. And so, you know, and a lot of those social programs involve direct contact with people. Those programs right now are suffering, you know, and so. Uh, it's really unfortunate to see people wanting to get out of this so desperately that they're actually, once again, fake news, glad, glad this is in our fake news segment, sharing this information because it sheds light of, of hope that they can get out of this and that, oh, maybe this was a whole hoax. Maybe this was a whole this. 
and we need to just reopen and everything will be fine. When the reality is, even if Oregon, you know, had less cases, they definitely had dramatically less cases by following their lockdown order. And that stemmed the tide of it. And it very well could lead to them opening up earlier than maybe they originally would have had to had they not shut down. So uh, it's, it's, it's a reality right now of, like you said, patience. And, you know, we need to, we need to be very aware of the likelihood of this to spike back up and also to become an annual thing. I mean, people are going to continue to get sick beyond what we would normally call flu season with this flu. We're not going to eradicate it this year. So we need to be aware of that and understand the measures that need to be in place to do our best to either eradicate it or limit its um, effect on us to the point where we can literally go back to basketball games again. I mean, think about that. The idea of an NBA game right now with 20,000 strangers around you, how scary is that? It's super scary. And I do yeah. want to touch on that a little bit. Then I want to talk to the protesters. And then uh, I think, like, whatever you want to bring up, uh, Mikhail, like, for nuance and everything that's dealing with that, that'd be good, too. Uh, because I listened to an episode of Science Versus, and it was talking about um, can you get coronavirus twice? Because there's been, like, some articles out there of people saying that, like, they were cured of coronavirus, then they got tested again, and they said they had it again. And I saw this from one of my friends back in early January out of Japan, but I didn't pay much attention to it because I was like, you know what, there's not a lot of information out there, we don't know a lot about this virus. But I think kind of the uh, the cliff notes of what I listened to was, um, I guess there's three ways that this virus could go. It could be like influenza where it, um, or the flu virus, I should say, where it mutates so much that you do need a flu shot every year in order for you to help against it. Then there's something like chickenpox, which is a virus where you usually only need one shot or in other cases of other viruses where you only need two shots, like one before and then a booster like a few years later. So your body continues to create antibodies against it. So when you get it, it'll be able to shut it down or in a case of influenza that it would be able to take it down really quickly. Uh or not in the case of influenza, but where it's kind of like a coin flip of like, were you able to get that flu? Or if it's just a flu that isn't 100% covered by that vaccine, you'll at least have some antibodies that will help you fight against it. And right. and then there's things like, so, so those are the two options of like, if we all did get it and then the people who die... Um, aren't able to be the people who create antibodies. So if they get it again, they won't. But people who live, uh, there are studies that showing that those people are creating antibodies for it. And even if you do get it again, where you're creating minimal antibodies for it, uh, your body doesn't create more antibodies for it once it sees it. So there is something to say about if you get it, you should be able to create antibodies against it. But right now, in order for us to have herd immunity, we need 70% of the population to have had it. And right now, based on what I heard in Science Versus, we can have a range of either 3% or 30% of people creating antibodies for it. And that's still not enough. Right? Right. 
So right. all of the, I really do think that from a scientific perspective, all these efforts to talk about reopening the economy are premature as fuck, right? But I do think based on the people's money needs and our federal government that has the ability to, you know, quote unquote, create money is not being effective enough to allow us to shelter in place. And I could go into the whole, you know, like socioeconomic issues and sort of the principled issues of why that isn't happening. But I think we do understand that to a certain degree if you've been listening for a while. So, so right now I do want people to know that like if you're like if you're struggling and you need help, like one of the things I do want to bring after our fun segment is like what people can do to help. I do want to start with our people who work in uh, food service and restaurants and everything like that because they're completely shut down unless you're delivering stuff. But bartenders aren't working. Right. And you, the wait staff in those restaurants aren't working. So I want to start with that to like give us an ability to help them out, because right now. With an with the ineffective federal government and basically just Philly fifty different plans going on right now in our entire scope of state government, we're going to need to help each other out a little bit. Yeah, no, it's and it it's going to be going forward the the kind of a new normal. I know a lot of people are using that that term nowadays. Uh, for us to to support each other and and be willing to, you know, go go the extra mile in in order to to help people in our community that might not be able to get out during the periods where flu might ramp up again or the coronavirus might come back and as well as um, being honest and and willing to to get tested as 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 a nation when eventually those tests come come around, um, yeah, and I mean. It's it's a strange time being kind of the era of the anti-vaxxer and everything kind of hitting popularity in a time where now we're we're talking about a, a serious pandemic virus and the necessity for finding a vaccine. Um, and and hopefully that trend uh, doesn't um, affect the the likelihood of, of this virus getting kind of a, a long term stronghold and um, and we're able to to support each other in the sense of accepting that a vaccine might be necessary if it, if it is, if it's if the, the likelihood of, of it, you know, staying kind of a similar non-mutating flu that we can, we can actually vaccine against as a whole, uh, that would be great. Um, and then, you know, if it, if it comes into being part of kind of our annual flu shot, uh, vaccinations, then, then that might come to pass, you know, um, for sure. It's uh, it's 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 all kind of up in the air right now as far as what the exact path is going to be. Um, I just think we need to listen to the experts. We need to to check the data and, and, and make sure all the results are are through, you know, proper scientific methods and blind studies and uh, results that can be, you know, recreated in, in separate environments and, and those type of things so that we're 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 making a measured choice in, in the angle that we take, you know, as we are in the era of fake news, let's not also be in the era of fake science. So, you know, let's, let's be cautious about it and let's be optimistic as best we can so that, you know, we, we, we stay focused and, and can live through it. I mean, obviously 
this is a this is a scary and stressful time and and if, and if you put kind of pessimism on top of that mm-hmm. it's, it could be a wicked cocktail you know i'm sure we're going to hear about kind of depression and and ptsd-esque uh conditions coming out of this this definitely is ramping up my personal anxiety uh working in healthcare and 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 just going to the store you know is is a uh a dangerous prospect at this time and you know, one you just have to take just for your own survival or in my case for my employment. And, you know, I enjoy working in healthcare. I don't want to leave that industry. And I knew that to an extent there is risks that are inherent with being in that environment, but I don't think I expected to be employed during a a nationwide and global pandemic. So, uh, it's, uh, it's an, it's an interesting time and, and definitely, be aware that no matter what your situation and what you're kind of going through, there could be someone uh, who, who's going through it even worse or, or can't even leave their house due to, to immune immunosuppression or um, severe lung issues. And, you know, finding a way that you can maybe assist them without obviously direct contact uh, might be, be something you'll want to do as a community, especially moving forward as we get, you know, hopefully back towards a towards some form of normal so yeah corona sure because as you know cardi b likes to say coronavirus this shit is real but anyway (laughs) mikhail usually brings up you know brings a little levity to the game so what levity you got for us right now Mikhail? you know i think I i brought it up in like episode 90 i was talking about ways that we can kind of keep our mind off this and i just want to go in a little further detail of one of those things because i brought up netflix i brought up hulu and i brought up the show tiger king but man has this snowball rolled so much bigger than i ever expected so today i just want to go in a little bit of how you live in detail into the world phenomenon known as the tiger king uh, have oh, you had a chance to take in the documentary? I have had a chance to take in the documentary. I even saw the Joe McHale eighth episode, you know, yeah. a reunion with a bunch of motherfuckers as well, too. So, yeah, it was. And that was interesting. That was very humanizing for a lot of the figures. I it think, was. uh, definitely, uh, the celebrity main man of the show, Joe exotics, uh, first husband, probably appreciated that interview being it was the first one where he was wearing a shirt and had teeth so (laughs) i'm sure he appreciated the joel McHale uh interview of everything uh for those of you who are fully quarantined and not hooked up to the internet the tiger king is a mini-series documentary available currently on the netflix uh distribution stream channels and it uh features a one-time presidential candidate and big cat uh, enthusiast Joe Exotic and and his uh, kind of mostly ongoing battle with the Big Cat Rescue and owner Carol Baskin who uh, kind of puts herself apart from other people that are keeping animals in captivity saying that she's a rescue operation and is not profiting off of it in the same measure although anyone else involved in the documentary who had anything to do with other locations and cat and and zoos and those types of things uh would say a very different story saying she's basically another profiteer and just somebody that wants to own big cats so 
that is the kind of battle lines that were drawn in the the show itself. But the show takes on more than uh, one eccentric zoo owner against another. Uh, for instance, as I mentioned, Joe was married to a gentleman named John, uh, who he married in a ceremony where he simultaneously married another gentleman named Travis. So, uh, you know, you had uh, a homosexual character who was also participating in polygamy. You don't hear about that very much in uh, Oklahoma, where his uh, zoo was located. So very progressive for Oklahoma. Although, uh, based on his gun ownership and his uh, run for both president and governor, actually more right-leaning than uh, his lifestyle might lead you to believe. So uh, it's a very intriguing uh, documentary. Just just based on, I mean, Joe's uh, eccentric nature in general makes it a watchable show. But then the cast of characters that they introduce to you that kind of circle his story it just takes it to another level. Am I right? Like, no, I agree. I mean, like, yeah. What are some of your thoughts on the, uh, the tiger King show? Right. So I watched it like when it kind of first premiered, like maybe about a month ago or so. And I thought it was wild. Like, so I thought it was only going to last for like three episodes, but I was using that from don't fuck with cats. And then when right. I realized that it, it was, like, eight episodes, and it was episode three when they went over, like, the death of Carol Baskin's... Um, first husband. Or husband second husband. and all that. Uh, yeah. I think it was her first husband. Second um, husband. She, she, she left was married her three husband. times? Yeah, she left her first husband to... to, to oh, yeah, you right. All right, my yeah. bad. You right. Oh, you right. So this, this show has so many crazy details, and I guess, spoiler alert at this point, but... Go ahead and watch it. Honest to God, I had to watch it with a friend of mine who hadn't seen it. And and even watching it a second time, I found it not only fascinating and interesting, but I was able to like take in things that I had kind of missed along the way. So storylines that exist, a murder for hire plot, uh, a, a possible murder of a previous husband, uh, uh, smuggling of animals into fancy Las Vegas hotels via roller suitcases uh yeah it it has everything uh in, including a uh shot of a gentleman who now rents jet skis in slow-mo on his jet ski to the tune of eye of the tiger so <laughs> as somebody yes, pointed out to me the rights to that song probably cost the equivalent of making the rest of the movie so. <laughs> That was a, a funny take that a friend had. So, uh, yeah, no, um, yeah, the, the episode three dealing with uh, the loss of uh, Carol Baskin's son, uh, son uh, husband Don, who disappeared um, after leaving to go, quote unquote, buy some cars in Costa Rica. <laughs> right. I mean, you know. I mean, like, I don't, I don't, like, I, I brought that up first because I don't really want to focus on Carol Baskin because I do feel like there is a lot of misogyny behind the whole Carol Baskin killing her husband story. Like, I feel like, to be honest with you, like, the dude was 40, she was 19. That's gross as fuck. And, right, like, so we really, we really, like, if, like, if that's gross as fuck and, you know, the dude was creeping on her and she needed to do what she got to do. If she fed him to the fucking lion or not the lions, the tigers, 
I don't really fucking care based on the tier list of fucked up shit that people did on that show. Right? Like, like so we got Bhagavad over here. Like, Bhagavad can eat a whole entire ass. I'm sorry. Like, like I know this is supposed to be the fun part, so I hope you have a fun thing about me, like, shitting on people who basically are just, like, creepy-ass old dudes that get with young women because they need it for their own personality and shit. And you ever notice how in that whole entire fucking thing that he was always just, like, trying to, you know, position the shot, trying to, like, make himself look the best he could? He's like, yeah, we're going to make the shot like this. Yeah, we're going to make the shot like this. And then, you know, he always talked in a way that was very much like, I'm going to highlight everything that I did for myself. And then when the interviewer would be like, but you did some fucked up shit, he would just have like this, you know, looking like he was about to cry look on his face. Like, oh, you ain't, you can't talk me out. You can't, you can't call me out of my shit. No, no, I'm about this. Right. So, and at least Joe Exotic knew what drum he bet, like he beat to, but that drum was still fucked up. Right, like, yeah. I don't even well, care. Like, the gay thing ain't anything, right? You know, love who you love. But he right. was still enough freaky-ass bull dating people, like, you know, 20 years younger than him. Right. right. And, who were in desperate situations. Right. And, then, and often substance abuse or substance, uh, they were they required substances with between meth and alcohol or just weed in one case. But, yeah. Right? Like, so it's, yeah, it, it, it's very interesting to see him go through that. Like, the dude was with him for 11 years before he left, and now he has a daughter, and he's married to a woman, and people can be bi. And, you know, people, it, but I don't even know if, uh, it wasn't Travis, but uh, if you can remind me of the other dude's name, uh, like, I don't even know if he knew he was gay, right? Or if it was just, you know, anxiety and his inability to say something about it while he was going along with it. Like, I really don't know from watching that show. And yeah. and I feel like that is a very problematic aspect of that show where Joe was kind of using, like, Joe knew he was gay, right? And Joe is growing up in a society that says, hell no to homosexuality, and but that doesn't make his manipulation of people who may or may not be gay okay, right? And and then that doesn't even get on the whole thing about like how the fuck are there more tigers in captivity than there are in the fucking wild by right? like a large measure, like right? a crazy number. Well, and then so some other points that occurred in the show. You had uh, Saf, who is a. Uh, man uh, perhaps you could go with trans she didn't actually personally say that but i've heard in in uh post tiger king release interviews uh he prefers to be using the he him pronouns even though the show at the time referred to it as her and she so uh saf most dramatic moment in the, yes. the show loses an arm to one of the tigers so, spoiler alert of all hell, uh, and <laughs> returns to work three days later. So, that's a crazy thing that happens in this show. I mean, he a badass. Uh, and then other other points in the show is, of course, Joe's uh, failed run at president, at which point uh, John Oliver even used footage of the show to, uh, to promote on uh, last week, or this week tonight, and... Um, 
He also uh, didn't have that good of a campaign, obviously, for president. We didn't remember that he was part of that whole kind of cast of characters that were in there with Trump and everybody else. But he did run then for Oklahoma governor. And here's the thing, folks. He got 19% of the Oklahoma vote and came in third place behind someone that I think might have gotten just about 30%. So this guy was 11% away from becoming the next governor of Oklahoma. And ultimately, he goes to jail. Uh, I would say if you want more of the details or to experience the, the show for yourself, go take a look at it. It's worth a watch. Whether you have issues with it, I I know you're saying there's some misogyny to it, but I guarantee in my mind, Carol Baskins definitely did kill Don, and that's just my opinion. I mean, if she did, I ain't mad at her. I I mean, (laughs) I'm mad at her. I'm mad at her because it's not good to kill people, especially when you end up uh, taking their money and and giving. I mean, you are. I gotta stand with my people. It's not necessarily, I mean, your opinion, but um, <laughs> it's uh, it's the, uh, murder and then taking the money and keeping it from the family and all the other things that came out of that is kind of a bad thing, too. So uh, Carol Baskins uh, also, though, this has grown into, you know, SNL had to do something about it. TikTok is obsessed with Tiger King. Oh my God, those TikTok videos. If you haven't seen any of those, I I highly suggest uh, checking it out. It's pretty funny. People doing uh, the Carol Baskin killed her husband dance right now is the most popular one. God. Uh, Yeah, uh, just another kind of one of those iconic moments. We were all stuck at home. We were all quarantined. And so eventually we were going to watch the same thing. And America chose to watch Tiger King. So give it a watch. Uh, I give it two thumbs up for entertainment value. I learned a lot. As for uh, big cats, yes, it is the saddest thing possible that that more of them are in captivity than in the wild. I don't even know what to do about it. I don't want to get into the debate right now about uh, animals in captivity in zoos because, you know, that's kind of a it's, – it's a touchy subject. Uh, you know, there's some – lessons that can come from uh animals in captivity but obviously the type of uh sanctuaries that we have for them and how they're treated and managed is is kind of the the very important and then you know we've had documentaries like blackfish and talk about kind of sea world which more than likely a lot of people are saying sea world might not make it out of this coronavirus because they've had to shut down and they were already on kind of life support so the coronavirus might have done the world a favor and and shut SeaWorld down. So we shall see. But uh, point of this segment, go see Tiger King. It's worth a watch. And send us your opinions to hylbox at gmail.com. And we'll we'll read them live on the air. No, I don't know. (laughs) Pay attention to them. Uh, so what, Chaz, did you want to share with the people before we get out of here? Well, first, <laughs> before I transition to political action is lit, I want to play you some, you know, Carol Baskin TikTok, because basically it does the rap for that shit. Carol Baskin killed her husband, whacked him. Can't convince me that it didn't happen. Fed him to tigers, they snack it. What's happening? Carol Baskin. And nothing's playing. 
yeah. So yeah, that was that was just like you know what people are dancing to on TikTok. I know Mikkel wasn't able to hear it because I forgot to like put that part up on my my mixer for him to hear it. But yeah, it, it was just like every was everyone's dancing to on TikTok about Carol Baskin. Like, but I'm sorry, I'm in camp. Like. If you fed him to the tigers, like, too creepy as fuck. So, you know, more power to you, girl. Anyway. Uh, but what I wanted to say before we go, I want one, well, two things. One, I wanted to talk about, like, people who are working in the restaurant industry and just how them getting paid on tips only in a lot of states in our union and also that there are very few states that have brought their minimum wage up to the point where it's at least quasi-livable, like even $15 an hour, which is roughly $30,000 a year, isn't very livable in a lot of places in our nation. So there is a group of individuals called... um. Uh, one fair wage and one fair wage is uh, a group of individuals that I heard on uh, love it or leave it. And they're really just like taking money from us and they're giving it to people who work in the restaurant industry, the bar industry and things like that. And making sure that they have money to survive during all of this, because really, unless they take a job with Uber Eats, with DoorDash, with Postmates, with Grubhub, with Caviar, which the whole bevy of like restaurant delivery apps there are right now that they're not really going to uh, get a lot of money uh from us right now so go to uh wonderfairwage.com they have a take action part you can take action by talking to your uh senators and your congress people and letting them know that they need to be able to make sure that people working in these industries get money you can give money directly to them by also going to wonderfairwage.com and if you have the resources and the privilege to be able to like give some of your extra resources to them, they'll very much appreciate it. And ultimately, the people who get that money will very much appreciate it. So there's that. And much like I did with um, the presidential candidates, I now want to kind of more focus on our down ticket candidates, starting with um, senators that are in the position to be able to take out different Republican senators. And because taking back the Senate would be really good if we can get Biden into the presidency. So I think pragmatism wise, we need to talk about Biden and presidency. And but also pragmatism wise, I think we be, need to be able to talk about, you know, as we talked about uh, before, the 10 individuals that might have a chance of flipping the Senate to blue. So I want to take some time to research those individuals, see what they're talking about, see what their issues are, see what their challenges are in their current races um, to see how they can beat the person they're up against. And of course, I'm going to start with the main woman of the hour, you know, the person going up against Mitch McConnell, um, Amy McGrath. So that's what my plan for our next episode is going to be. I'm going to do a deep dive on her. I'm going to do a deep dive for her. But ultimately, I want y'all to feel fired up that if you have the ability to give money to her campaign, I want you to give money to her campaign. So there's there that. There but, you go. But ultimately, for my rant, I do want to talk about how coronavirus is affecting uh, predominantly uh, a black area of the country more so than anyone else. Uh, cause I do think it does point out 
a lot more of like the subtle differences between, you know, racial, uh, just racism in like the structural and um, institutional kind versus economic disparities and things like that. When there are places when 70% of the coronavirus deaths are of black people, but there's only 29% of people in those cities that have it, there is something to say about the access of resources, uh, the ability for doctors not to take black people's uh, symptoms seriously, and the lack of access to testing, whether it be for money or just because there are not hospitals in their area of the city where they can visit. And then there's the added thing of that, like, some people, black people, don't want to go to the hospital because... We, as Americans, overall, treat them like shit in those situations. So I do I do want people to be mindful of that because I did notice a shift of people going from, like, we need to stay home, we need to be all right. But when people are like, well, you know, black people are dying of this more than, you know, other people, people are like, well, maybe we can still go back to work then. I don't know about all this, right? And, of course, we don't think about all the structural things that happen around it. And all of the struggles that people do having access to these things because of the way the world treats us overall, like right here and right now, but also historically. And and even though, you know, I know there's going to be some people mad at me for making that political, but I think y'all need to know because I'm on the side of fixing that shit. So, you know. Yeah, no, the disparity is real. And access to health care um, could definitely drive those numbers down a bit and and give you know the different populations that are at risk and uh not not having access uh the available health care they need to stem the tide of a of a virus that ultimately hurts everybody so you know we need to we need to protect the populations that are most affected and in order to just better protect the world at large so you know we can't be having people slide through the cracks on this one and, you know, as an example of other things that we need to, to do that on, we can, we can take, take up that uh, role here with the coronavirus as an example of, of changing those type of things. Um, so hopefully, you know, we can. Uh, anything else for the world before we tap out of here, Chaz? No, I think I got everything I needed to off my chest for this one, people. So, you know. Stay safe, stay healthy, and all that good jazz. So, like, you know, Mikkel, where can they find you on the interwebs? Uh, yeah, man. As always, uh, the show directly, as I mentioned earlier, you can uh, call us at uh, – or send us an email. I, I won't answer <laughs> the phone. Uh, it is hylbox at gmail.com. That's H-Y-L-B-O-X at gmail.com. And for me personally, I'm the Seatown Mayor on the Twitter sphere. That's S-E-A. T-O-W-N-M-A-Y-O-R because I'm helping your municipality on the coast. Chaz, how can they get at you? Right, you know, I'm Chaz Baz on the Twitters, Chaz underscore Baz on the Instagrams, and Chaz dash Baz on the TikToks. And as always, like, I don't I don't know what I'm really doing on any of those things. Like, maybe I'll start documenting <laughs> something. Like, I don't know. Like, Do you, you gotta do the Carol Baskins TikTok. That's your next <laughs> 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 no. I mean, like, if anybody I stand on Tiger King, it's Carol Baskin, right? <laughs> like, you know, so on pure principle. <laughs> so, you know. Oh, man. Oh, man. All anyway, right. All right. I might, though, because it's a fun song. 
That's fun. I'm a All right, person. Jazz, <laughs> it's been fun. Stay safe out there. Yes, and, you, uh, you stay safe, too. Thank you for being on the front lines. And, of course, thank you for everyone from our bus drivers to our medical workers to everybody who is just helping us get the things that we need to survive in these trying times. Cashiers, stocking shelves, all of that. We right. love you. I, I know it's... Yeah, I know it's empty, and I'm doing my best basic, do, using my limited resources, but using my voice to try and help y'all out. But the best I can do right now, outside of telling people, like, give money to people who are disaffected in the restaurant industry, thank you more than I could ever tell you. Just thank yeah. you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the show if you're being thanked by us right now. Right, because you're uh, real MVP, motherfuckers. There we go. Jazz, it's been fun, man. And uh, I think we out. We out. Peace. Peace. Like you till I bought a new car. Put up in that bitch like room. And I dropped your cool off. You probably pick up later. I probably pick up a quarter million and shit on the head. And it ain't a nigga gave me shit, but I did plenty of favors. I'm talking favors. Babies, you ain't deserving, you ain't want that. Passing out these loans that I don't want back. All right.